As to count one, first-degree murder, how do you find the defendant? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. As to count two, committing an indignity to a dead body, how do you find the defendant? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. As to count three, publishing obscene material, how do you find the defendant? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. As to count four, mailing obscene, indecent, immoral, scurrilous material, how do you find the defendant? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. As to count five, criminally harassing Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper and several other unnamed members of Parliament, how do you find the defendant? We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. Hi, welcome to The Guilty Podcast, where we find the why behind the who, what, when, and where. My name is Colin. I'm going to be your host. I wanted to start the episode off tonight with a little housekeeping. The first thing I want to do is give a huge shout out and thank you to all of the podcasts out there, especially the true crime podcast, since that's what I'm most fond of. But I can really appreciate the amount of effort it takes to do a podcast now. The research, the recording, the editing keeping up on Twitter, designing a logo, all of that. So thank you so much to all of you who contribute to keeping us all entertained. It's very, very appreciated. The second thing I'd like to do is go ahead and recommend two podcasts that I personally listen to and enjoy and think you might enjoy as well. The first podcast I want to recommend is Just Another Murder Podcast. These are three ladies who do an excellent job keeping true crime entertaining and fun. So if you enjoy a more lighthearted podcast about true crime, if you enjoy laughing and joking while hearing some of the most gruesome and grisly tales, these ladies would be the podcast to go to. They actually sent me something to play for you, so I'm going to go ahead and do that now so you can hear from them directly. Hey, this is Sarah, Sam, and Casey from Just Another Murder Podcast. We are three Aussie ladies chatting about murder and making funny jokes. More like bad jokes. Inappropriate (laughs) jokes. Sorry. Go listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay. Bye. 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 See ya. Bye. Bye. The other podcast I would recommend is Dark Topic. Luna, the host, is a fantastic writer. He really finds a way to mix his wit in while telling you great true crime stories. One thing I really enjoy about Luna's podcast, Dark Topic, is that I feel like I'm with an old friend and he's telling me stories and he actually always has some life experience that goes along with the story that makes it more personal but also more interesting. So definitely check out Dark Topic. With that said, if you want to contact me for the Guilty Podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Guilty underscore podcast, or you can email me at guiltypodcast at yahoo.com. I would love some feedback, whether it's good or bad, sent to my Twitter or email. Let me know how I'm doing. 
I'm not going to ask for reviews this early. I feel like I need a couple episodes under my belt before we start asking for any type of review. I always appreciate honesty, though. So after listening to this episode, feel free to send me a message. Let me know if I'm great, horrible, somewhere in the middle, what I can do better, what I should stop doing, whatever, or just say hi. With that said, let's get to the subject tonight. We're going to talk about Luca Rocco Magnata. Now, I don't know if I'm always going to give a warning, but I'm going to go ahead and give a warning now. True crime podcasts never end well. They contain a lot of gruesome details. This podcast is no exception. In fact, this one might be worse than a lot on some of the more popular serial killers you might have listened to. There is a death of a human, and there's animal brutality, necrophilia, and cannibalism. Listener discretion is advised. Alright, now that we got the fun part out of the way, let's talk a little bit about Luca Magnata's childhood. First of all, that's not his real name, Luca Magnata. I bet you thought that it was. Such a common name. He was actually born Eric Clinton Kirk Newman on July 24th, 1982. And he was born in Scarborough, Ontario. I don't feel like there's too many criminals, especially of this caliber, coming out of Canada. So he's a real special breed. His parents were Anna Yorkin and Donald Newman. He was the oldest of three kids, and I believe it's said that the only person in his family that he ever said he loved, and actually probably did love, was his sister. His family didn't get along very well. His parents fought a lot. His brother and sister didn't get along. So he grew up in a pretty tumultuous environment. In fact, it was pretty bad. After his parents split, he actually went to live with his grandparents. While he stayed with his grandparents, he was homeschooled. It wasn't until after sixth grade that he actually went to public school. His grandparents must not have got along either. They eventually split up as well. When you talk to the different students that remember him from school, if you can find them around, they're going to say they remember him as vain, self-interested, and egotistical. This is a theme that's going to repeat itself throughout all of Luca's life. In fact, I think all those still apply to him. Let's fast forward a little bit, go to around when he was 20 years old, 2002. This is the first time Luca starts stripping and doing gay porn. This is also one of the first times that we know he started talking to therapists about hearing voices. I think this is important And David can shine some light on this later, but this is the time when schizophrenia, I believe, in males starts to appear. So, when he did discuss schizophrenia later in life, it's entirely possible that he wasn't lying about it. But we'll save that for later. I would just make a mental note that he did complain of hearing voices during his late teens and early 20s. Now, it wouldn't be long after that before Luca got busted for his very first crime. In 2005... He was convicted of three counts of fraud after coercing a mentally handicapped girl who had the mind of a 12-year-old to purchase $16,900 worth of goods for him. He also obtained a credit card in her name. Now, this is not a typical first crime. That's actually a pretty serious crime. Nearly $20,000 stolen, stolen credit card, and he took advantage of somebody who was mentally handicapped. I think that's actually worse than just robbing someone. Because committing fraud against someone who's mentally handicapped, that really just takes some disregard for humanity 
and just a complete lack of empathy. So I actually think this first crime speaks a lot about the mind of Luca. Now, in addition to that, the police allege that he committed sexual abuse and filmed it, but the charges are later dropped. They never did find the film, and we don't know if it actually happened. Luca hasn't said anything about it. So unfortunately, we'll never find out if that's true. It wouldn't surprise me, though. So for this crime, he's sentenced to 16 days in custody, 9 months conditional sentenced, and 12 months of probation. I would say that's a slap on the wrist given the severity of this crime. He was required to take medication and pay restitution. He was also required to seek some treatment. Still, that's not quite enough. Madam Justice Lauren Marshall, who issued the sentence, gave some pretty revealing information, and she said at the sentencing, and I quote, You have a medical problem, and you need to always take medication. If you do not, your life is going to get messed up. I'd say that that's pretty spot on, and it looks like had Luca listened, he may not be where he is today. We may not have a murder on our hands. I may not have a podcast. Let's go ahead and go to 2006. At this point, he's 24. This is when things start to escalate just a little bit more. At this point is when he changes his name from Eric to Luca Rocco Magnata. Now, this is not just a nickname. This is him actually changing his name. He also starts dating a transgender woman named Barbie. Barbie says his apartment looked like a shrine to himself. She actually couldn't even stand to live there. She said he begged for pictures constantly. He gave hickeys so hard he actually drew blood. Eventually, she ended the relationship with him due to his vanity, constant fights, and his egoism. She claimed Luca had a terrible temper as well. I think they fought a lot more than she let on, but you can find her different interviews online. During this time, Luca also does several more porn films. He starts appearing in homosexual magazines, so you can see that he's going all out on that front. Now, I want to make something clear. Being gay, being a gay porn actor, being in these magazines, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Dating a transgender woman, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. A lot of the things here are not going to point to Luca Magnata's mental instability based on his sexual orientation. I think the key here comes more from listening to how he acted around the people he was dating and the friends that he really didn't have many of. That's when you're going to learn who Luca really is. Sexuality doesn't have anything to do with this. In 2007, he auditions for Cover Guy, but he loses based on a lack of muscle. He's too skinny. I'm going to go ahead and play that interview because I think that listening to Luca talk here and talk in the next, there's going to be another interview as well. Listening to him talk in those gives you a real good idea of who he is. At the very least, it's going to give you a glimpse into the mind of Luca Magnata. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. Let's listen in. Hi, my name is Lu- Luca. Magnata is my last name, M-A-G-N-O-T-T-A. Hi, Luca. How are you today? Good. How are you? Thank you. So, Thank right you. away, you know this is underwear competition. I'm going to ask you to disrobe. I'm not sure right away. All right, definitely. John, how come this voice is lower? Yours is lower. I have a very deep voice. A lot of people tell me that, actually. 
So how do you get your voice so deep? How do I get my voice so deep? Yeah. Practice makes perfect, right? You got kind of a Ryan Philippe vibe going on. Right? A lot of people tell me that, like they remind me of like Fifty Four, that uh, movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, so. that was one of my favorites too. Oh, really? I think, yeah, I think you look good. I think that that your body is a little bit slim. I used to be really overweight, to be on, honest. Uh, I used to be really overweight, and I lost like weight. Really? How did you do that? Oh, I just like got up every morning at like four o'clock and like ran constantly, and people would tell me, "Oh, stop running, stop running," and I just kept doing it basically. What's your idea of overweight? <laughs> oh God, I was I, I was I was a lot of overweight actually. Oh, really? So like you know. I'm curious about your hair color. What, what, is that natural? Uh, no, actually, I just got to highlight it, change oh, things up a bit, yeah. All right, real big, I know that when you go swimming a lot, I noticed some blondes tend to go in the chlorinated <laughs> water, a little bit on the greeny yellow side. Uh, yeah, that's what happened to me. That. Yeah, so for sure. A little bit healthier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, a little bit That happens sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think, he, I think he looks good. I think he has a chance. I'm going to give him a yes. Thank you. I think this competition, you got to be a little bit... I have no problem gaining weight. Like I can gain weight if I need to gain weight. I'm actually thinking more muscle definition. I think I think you do have a very nice lean. That could happen really quickly. I can gain weight really quickly. I'm gonna say potentially. I think you do have potential, but I'm gonna ask you to come back next year. Okay. All right. All right. It looks like you. Wow. Linda, I'm I'm surprised to see how you look, because I think you look better in person in front of me than you look in your modeling portfolio. Okay. I think your photos are overexposed and blown out. All right. I your bone structure, and I think you have some interesting bone structure. Um, yeah, but I think those photos look good. I do. <laughs> I do. I think that they look very good. That's I think they look hot. That's, that's what attracted to I think he looks better in the photo. A lot of people tell me I'm really devastatingly good looking, so. That, I mean, a picture like that is kind of a soul. Yeah, but I think the problem is that what is good for cover guy isn't always what you're attracted to in your personal life. And I know that he's very your type. Well, everyone has their personal point of view, like who, who they like and who they don't like, basically. I just don't think he's beefy enough for cover guy. I don't think you have the musculature yet. I, I can, can definitely say, can gain weight. Yeah. yeah, I know you say you can gain weight. But you, got, you, you won't think I can. I can gain muscle. Everybody can do it. You know, I can gain muscle. I can work out. I'm very determined. And every goal that I put my uh, mind to, I surpass. Yeah. A winner doesn't have to be some overdeveloped root if you happen to find a term. This is for everybody. And I think that he definitely deserves a chance. I, I agree, Jim. I think a lot of the body types are important, but personally, Oh, I was in Italy, and they told me basically they don't want like really muscular type guys. They, you know, they want like, you know, thinner guys, and that's why I said, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, you know. And I think you can see what I mean. He's just dying to be accepted, and he will say he can do anything. I mean, the guy's Superman. You need him to lose weight? Got it. No problem. You want me to gain weight? Got it. No problem. You want me to put it, put weight on this arm, but not that arm? No problem. I can do it. I mean, he is just so desperate for attention that he will say anything. Um, I think this is also just leading to more and more drastic things that he's going to do later. Because if you compare this interview where he simply talks about gaining and losing weight to the next interview where he talks about plastic surgery, you can see that he's escalating. I believe that he's slowly escalating in different ways. 
Now, around the same time, he files for bankruptcy. Take a wild guess as to the amount that he f- that gets discharged. Yeah, $17,000. Weird. Because if I remember right, that's damn near the same amount that he robbed from a poor mentally handicapped girl. And you know what he cites for why he has to file bankruptcy? Quote, illness, lack of employment, and insufficient income to pay debt. I feel like insufficient income to pay debt should be applied to any uh, any filing of bankruptcy. I don't feel like that really needs to be said. I thought that was bankruptcy. In any case, it gets discharged. Lucky him. At this time, he continues appearing in homosexual magazines, and the very first rumors begin that Luca's dating someone named Carla Homolka. Carla Homolka is going to be somebody we most likely talk on this podcast about at a later date. She was also a murderer, dating a murderer. I find it odd that Luca picks her. Well, let's back up a second. Luca is producing rumors himself online that he's dating Carla Homolka, but he's using other accounts to do it. Now, what doesn't make sense is why would he do that? To what end? Could it be attention? Could it be desire for people to pay attention to him? Could he need the spotlight so bad that he spreads rumors about himself and then claims that those rumors are harming him? I think it's all those things. At this point, Luca appears at a radio station to talk to Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun, and he claims that he's not dating Carla Homolka and that people are trying to ruin his life. It's so interesting to me that this guy is so obsessed with his own life. Like, he's, I mean, just think about it. He's ruining his own life, complaining that someone else is ruining his life. Meanwhile, the guy just had $17,000 discharged because he can't make a living. Hard to believe. It really is. Now, at the same time that he's talking to Joe about how his life is being ruined, he's creating tribute videos to Carla Homolka online. This is all part of Luca Magnata's bigger game. So here's the theme that starts to emerge here and actually plays a role in the murder later. What Luca does, Luca is a hype man for himself, loves to build up hype. So what he does is he will create numerous accounts, he'll start posting rumors about himself, and then solidify it with other accounts that he's created. So he ends up having multiple people on multiple sites talking about him when it's all just him. I really believe that had he not created an account ever and just did his porn movies and magazine shoots, no one would ever talk about him. Let's go ahead and move to 2008. At this time, he's in his mid-20s. This is when he auditions for Plastic Makes Perfect. So I'm going to go ahead and play that interview because this is the one where we get deeper into his mind and we see that things are escalating. No, no. Um, and uh, so just talk to me. And uh, start off with just giving me your name and your age. Okay. So go ahead. All right. My name is Luca Magnata, and I'm 25. And what do you do for a living? I'm a model. 
Okay. Do you want to talk about the other stuff that you do? Yeah, or? definitely. Is that okay with uh, you? Yeah, okay, that's great. All totally fine. Super. Basically, um, I do a lot of uh, adult modeling and um, I do adult films as well. And I'm pretty comfortable in front of the camera. So <laughs> I'm doing it for a while and it's been working out pretty good for me. So. And you do it full time? I do. It's full time, whether it's doing the films or doing magazines or internet uh, shows, what have you, um, it's all very consistent, so it's been really good for me. That's great. How long have you been doing it? On and off for about two years now. You know, I travel, and then I come back to Toronto and do it. I go to Montreal and do it. I go to LA, so whatever, right? Yeah, where the paychecks come from. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the surgery you're thinking about having done, or the procedure? Um, well, it's going to be at the back of my uh, uh, head. I've uh, had three done, sorry, two done already. Can you and tell me what it is you're having done? It's a hair transplant. And basically, do you want me to just go on a bit about? I'll sh yeah, tell me a little bit about the procedure, yeah. Okay, so basically, uh, back of my head hair is going to be uh, frozen. I'm awake through the entire procedure. And there's like no, uh, uh, what do you call that? Anesthetic? There's no, like, you don't get put under to sleep. Right. So basically, uh, they, they cut open the back of my head and they take a strip of uh, flesh off and they, they cut it off and they take it uh, to the side and nurses work on it for a few hours by taking each uh, individual hair out uh, of the graft. And then they sew the back of my head up and that takes about an hour. Uh, so they pull the skin down? Or yeah, they, they, pull they... It, they pull it down and tighten it and sew it back up. Then while the nurses are working on taking the hairs out, uh, the doctor puts me back and he tries to decide where exactly all of them are going to be needing to be placed so it looks very natural. Okay. And uh, as you can tell here in the front of my head, uh, the hair has grown in pretty nice because it used to be receding so it's, it's grown in. And um, so basically they take all of the individual hairs and one by one they put it, transplant it into my scalp. And, um, Wherever they feel it needs to be. Yeah, definitely. So it's all filled in and there's no... I guess basically uh, at the back of my head here, it's, I, I cover it well with my hair, but uh, it's, uh, it's going... Uh, not bald, but I don't have <laughs> denial here. You know what I mean? I guess you can say it is kind of going bald then, but it's, I, I just... Every time I look in the mirror, it, it seems to be getting worse, so I want to like completely... Yeah. Eliminate it and stop it, you know, before, obviously, because I can't have my hair looking uh, like I'm 50 years old when I'm 25, right? So I want it to look pretty good. Yeah. And um, I've had cosmetic surgeries done in the past, so I'm pretty used to them. And What have I, you had done in the past? I've had my eyes done here because I used to have dark circles underneath my eyes and it was completely making me look like I was tired all the time. Um, I've had my nose done. I've had uh, two hair transplants, like I said before. And I'm planning on doing muscle implants in my pecs and my arms. So that just remains to be seen, but because that's pretty. You think you're a bit of an awesome. addict? <laughs> yeah, I, my name's Luca, and I'm a cosmetic surgery addict. But yeah, I I would say to be out to be blatantly honest, I I think that I I am because. Just the profession that I'm in, it makes me more aware 
of my looks because I'm constantly seeing other people, you know, that are extremely good looking, how they look, and I'm comparing myself. So I need to um, step up my game, basically, and that's why I'm having all these procedures done. Do you feel it's more a modeling thing or more of an adult entertainment thing? Do you feel the pressure? I'd say it has to be both because both industries are so competitive uh, that they, they, they both need you to look your best all the time and there's just a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety uh, in both industries, you know, so I, I have to say a bit of both, definitely. There's pressure to look good. There is so much pressure to look good because you're, you're on set with these other people and you know, you, you see how they look, and then after you, all your little flaws start coming out, and you're like, oh, well, you know, this person looks that way, and they have this sort of body, this sort of face and hair, and now I compare myself to this person, so he has, like, fuller hair, so now I want fuller hair. He has a better nose, so I want a better nose, and this person's face doesn't have those, so why should I have it if I can just pay for it? To have uh, it taken away and corrected, why not? I don't any problem with it. You look like you're, I mean, you're a handsome guy. I can't imagine you weren't that handsome before. You know what? A lot of people tell me that they say, you know what? Oh, you don't need it. You don't need it. But before I was, uh, I was good looking, but it was starting to fade and I was starting to get very self-conscious with that. And I, I couldn't, I could not deal with having my looks go you know, because before it was receding, like I was saying, and my nose was a bit different, and my, you know, now I just take very good care of myself by going to the gym all the time, working out, you know, eating properly. So I don't want to, it would kind of defeat the purpose if I was doing all of that exercise and then, you know, looking kind of ugly. Like, because so when I'm in the, when I'm, when I'm seriously, when I'm in the, uh, the chair and they're doing, like, say, my hair or something, or, they can say, oh, well, we better, it really gets to me because they say to me, we better cut it uh, a bit longer at the back because we can see that it's starting to, and I'm like, don't even tell me that. Do not even tell me that it's starting to get uh, thin at the back because I don't want to hear, I'm in denial, like I said about it. So I'm like, okay, I've been hearing it so much lately. And the other, act like the actresses who I work with, they're like, um, yeah, it's kind of, they like pointed out, I'm like, you know what, that is not nice, okay? I don't want to hear it. So, but they do tell me it and, you know, I guess uh, I have to hear it because, you know, just reality, so. How, how important are your looks to you? Oh my God, if, if that's number one. Okay, number one is looks. Number two would have to be intelligence. And I don't know what the rest are. All I do, all I care about is number one, basically. All I do is care about how I look, yeah, you can see, I think, the difference between the first interview and this interview. And this one, he's not willing to just gain or lose weight. He's basically begging for plastic surgery, saying that he's an addict and that he needs it. He needs more and more. Hard to know if he actually wants more plastic surgery or he just wants attention. I really can't tell. But one thing is for certain. His desire is escalating. His desire to change, his desire to be different and his desire for the spotlight. It's around this time that he starts to create even more multiple accounts. He also creates an account on YouTube bashing Family Guy, knowing that Family Guy is a super popular show in order to get more attention. In fact, he uses this account, this YouTube account, because so many people responded and replied and basically just bashed him 
as part of the reason he should be on Wikipedia. We'll talk about that in just a second. His Wikipedia article is actually opened and closed in this same time period. So it was within months, but he opens his own Wikipedia article and writes about himself, which I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do. And one of the things he uses is that YouTube channel and the multiple accounts that he's created on different websites. All of this stuff to create a persona that doesn't really exist, somebody who's not as important as, um, or somebody who's not important claiming that they are. Um, It eventually gets shut down by Wikipedia. This doesn't make him very happy, but there's nothing he can do about that. All right. Things are going to continue to escalate around 2009 or 2010. At this point, he's created over 100 Facebook profiles. These are not profiles with his name. He creates random names with random pictures, and he comments on random other profiles, basically creating an entirely fake network of people. In fact, there's a chance that you might have been friends with Luca Magnata at some point. You ever get those friend requests where you have no idea who they are, and it's just a picture, no real posts, no real information? Could be a bot, could be Luca Magnata. Well, I guess not anymore. Could have been Luca Magnata. Hard to say. Hard to say. Uh, at this time, he's still doing gay porn and he's still creating multiple accounts on other profile or creating multiple profiles on other websites as well. So he's still trying to hype himself up. So you can see now it's been over four years and he is still playing that same game. But at the end of 2010, we're going to get to where that game shifts dramatically. And it escalates to a point where there's really no turning back. December 21st, 2010. A video called One Boy, Two Kittens is posted online. Now, I am a cat guy. Not going to deny that. I've got two cats. I love them to death. And I'd have more if I could. This video is absolutely disgusting. It is just awful. I, I really don't have words to describe it. Um, And so is the next one. And I mean, all the videos Luca makes are awful. So I'm not going to pretend that this is any worse than the one of his murder. But there's just something about cats that I love and adore and seeing them treated so harshly and brutally and being suffocated in a bag is just absolutely disgusting to me. I think that the Internet shares that idea. Because the people on 4chan find this video, and they're not too happy about it. So the video depicts Luca hooded, putting two kittens in a vacuum bag and sucking the air out. I don't know if you've seen these vacuum seal bags, but they're essentially like a giant Ziploc bag. You put your stuff in, you zip the top, and then there's an attachment for your vacuum. You know, the hose on your vacuum, it sucks all the air out. So the bag has, is basically, it's vacuum-sealed bag, and it's good for storage. It's not meant for cats. Luca, you sick person, you, yeah, I gotta, I want to take it easy on the language, but Jesus. In any case, 4chan starts trying to locate this guy. They're not going to let this go. They create a Facebook group to try to put the word out. They want to get as many people on this video as they can. What they want to do is start stripping the metadata from the video. They want to start seeing if anyone knows who this person is, have heard any rumors or anything like that, so they can turn them over to authorities. 
Now, they eventually invite someone named Sia Barbie? Sia Barbie? I should probably do more research before I throw her name on the podcast. In any case, she's an animal activist. And what she did, what she's known for, one of the things she's known for, is that she helped pass laws against crushing fetish porn. Now, if you don't know what the uh, crushing fetish is, it's when women wear high heels or stilettos or different things like that, and then they crush small animals. Um, There's a lot of disgusting people out there. Some of those disgusting people like to watch small animals being crushed by high heels. I can't explain it. Leave that to the therapist. Now, Barbie decides to bring in someone named Joe Pans Panzarella. (laughs) I like that guy's name. So Pans is part of Rescue Inc., I-N-K. And apparently they had a TV show about their biker group that defends animals and animal rights. Now, they offered between $2,500 and $5,000 leading to the capture, any information that would lead to the capture of the person in this video. Uh, I say between because I'm getting different numbers from different websites. I do want to try to keep things um, as clear as possible. Now, this Facebook group is still growing. In fact, it's going so fast, the mods are having a hard time approving people at the rate at which they're applying. It's also getting too convoluted because everyone's posting pictures saying it could be this guy, it could be that guy. My buddy wasn't home last night when we were supposed to go to the movies. Maybe he was killing kittens. I mean, at this point, everyone's a suspect and you have a bunch of amateurs trying to just pick out anything they possibly can. So they start a second group with just the important people. I'm doing air quotes on important They were artists, filmmakers, investigators, hackers, just different members who actually had something to contribute besides trying to throw their friend under the bus. Rescue Inc. finds someone they think might be the killer. They need to lure him out, though. They can't flat out ask him. So they know that just asking is not going to do him any good, but they think maybe there's a way they can get the guy to reveal himself. So... Joe Panzarella gets a female bodybuilder to contact this guy and start chatting. She talks him up, and eventually this guy admits that he is the kitten killer. Around the same time, one of the members of the Facebook group named Nice Punk gets a message from someone named Beverly Kent saying, quote, The name of the kitten vacuumer you are looking for is Luca Magnata. We know how many Facebook accounts Luca has. This was Luca. Well, I can't say that affirmatively. We don't know for sure. There's a lot of speculation. By a lot of speculation, I mean everybody is speculating that this was Luca himself. Again, he's going to try to build up hype for himself. He's not going to try to turn himself in or get in trouble. He just wants the attention. So we think this is him. Luca's also been in that group the entire time lurking. He's getting a kick out of this. I mean, he's just sitting there watching these guys fall over themselves trying to find him. Imagine that. Now, the Facebook hunters, was what I'll call these guys on Facebook, I guess, continue to go through hundreds of pictures of Luca now. Because now they've got a name. So, remember this. Let's go back. Luca has 
a million profiles online. A lot of them are not his name at all, and a lot of them are. But while he's promoting himself, he's always posting pictures of himself in exotic places. He's photoshopping himself onto other people's bodies or in different places. I mean, the guy's got hundreds of pictures, maybe thousands of pictures online of him. So as soon as they type his name in, a bunch of stuff comes up. So these guys aren't going to have an easy time trying to figure out who he is or where he is. Because from what it looks like online, which is just provided by Luca himself, he's some huge model that travels the world and has not a care in the world. We're going to find out that it's a whole lot different than that for Luca. Eventually they find one picture of him at what he calls his condo. And behind him, there's a Petro-Canada sign. Now, thank God for Google Maps. These web sleuths decide, hey, let's figure out which Petro-Canada that is. Well, apparently there's like 1,600 of these in Canada. So, not an easy task. Eventually, they narrow it down, though. They find out exactly where this condo is. And they get the local authorities to go with them to visit. I don't know who them is at this point. I don't know who shows up. I do know the authorities visit. They talk to the landlord. And guess what? Luca's long gone. Hasn't lived there for years. But they at least know he exists now. And they know where he could be, which would be in Canada. Unfortunately, the hype dies down. And so does the hunt. Uh, It just... He disappears into thin air. There's really not much more they can get from these pictures. All until the very next year, December 2nd, 2011, almost a year later, a new video comes online called Python Christmas. It's posted to a website called Flix. Again, don't go watch these videos. Do yourself a favor. Sleep tonight and every other night. Don't watch it. This particular video depicts a man with a Santa hat feeding a kitten to a python. In addition to that, he duct tapes a kitten to a broom handle and drowns it in a bathtub. Not only is he continuing to hurt animals, he's rubbing it in the face of all of those people who were already trying to find him. So all this does is throw gasoline on a fire that was smoldering. This Facebook group is right back into action. And they think they figured out where he is when they find a picture with Luca with some British, I don't want to say British in the background, with some different locations of Britain in the background. So they contact authorities in the UK, but the authorities there aren't sure they can find him. They don't really take it seriously. It's a guy who kills cats. They're not too worried about it. However, after Luca is found in the UK... He decides to talk to Alex West of the UK Sun, and he claims that it wasn't him in the videos. Now, I remember Luca talking about Carla Homolka to another news reporter. Surprise, surprise. Luca is trying to get his name in the paper, and again, trying to build up hype and then knock it down himself. This is his MO. This is the second time he's done it. He will do it again. Nobody really buys that he wasn't in there, but he at least gets his word out through the paper that it wasn't him in those videos. December 12, 2011, The Sun gets a letter, and I quote, So, 
I have to disappear for a while until people quit bothering me. But next time you hear from me, it will be a movie I am producing that will have some humans in it, not just pussies. I will, however, send you a copy of the new video I'm going to be making. Once you kill and taste blood, it's impossible to stop. Now we move into 2012. The Facebook groups and online groups that have been created to hunt this guy, they're still there. They're still working. I don't know how many times you can look at the same picture and try to find something. And if there was ever a dedicated group of people, these are them. They watch every video they can of Luca and look for different pictures in the video, different clues. They've done everything they can. All of Luca's videos are essentially bad collages of pictures and mesh-ups and different things like that set to bad music. One random movie that he had put out had a new picture, and somehow one of the people in the Facebook group found it, noticed that there's a very unique streetlight found only in Toronto, or at least they recognized it in Toronto, and they were able to put him in or around the Toronto area. So they contacted the Toronto police, but guess what? No help from them. It's a guy who kills cats. We're not interested. Go contact the SPCA. So they do that. They contact the SPCA. Guess what? There's, he's just killing cats. Nothing we can do. So law enforcement numerous times now has been told that this guy has been harming animals, recording it and putting it online. But not only that, he's going to escalate. He's going to move on. He's either going to hurt more animals or he's going to start hurting people. Law enforcement's not too worried about it. So, May 15th, 2012, we get our very first promotion of the video that will eventually put Luca Magnata in prison. One lunatic, one ice pick. The video is not made yet, but Luca uses multiple accounts on multiple websites to promote it, asking questions about the video. Now, I hate giving this guy credit, but the way that he hypes these things up is somewhat intelligent because if he's going around with these different accounts and asking people, hey, have you seen this video? Can you believe what happens? Is it true? Of course, you're going to get people who are curious to start looking at it. And that's exactly what happens. Ten days later, he uploads a movie called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. It's uploaded to Best Gore and YNC. The video is not a huge hit, but it certainly makes waves. The video shows a hooded man and a man tied on a bed. The hooded man stabs the man on the bed over and over and over with an ice pick and a kitchen knife. He cuts parts of the body off with a knife and fork and gets a dog to eat part of it. He dismembers parts of the body. There's, there's different types of necrophilia. And it's all set to true faith by New Order. So if you've ever heard that song, chances are you have. Might have ruined it for you. Somebody dies to the music on that, in that video. A more extensive, quote-unquote, more extensive video is found by police, and they indicate there may have been cannibalism. I don't know why they won't say whether or not there was so they just say there may have been. I'm going to hedge my bets that there was, if they're even saying that. Now, on the same day, Luca books a flight to France using a passport with his name. 
on May 27th, 2012, a lawyer, ah, of course, it had to be a lawyer, didn't it? It had to be a lawyer. A lawyer named Roger Renville saw the video on Best Gore. Why a lawyer is sitting around on a Saturday morning surfing Best Gore is beyond me. But you know what? To each their own. As long as he's not actually doing it himself, I guess he can watch people get crushed by things and die and whatever other sick, disgusting things are on that website. He watches all 11 minutes of this video. That's a long time to watch somebody be murdered. He's never heard of Luca Magnata. He has no idea about the kitten videos. But he thinks this video is real and he's worried. So he decides what he's going to do is he's going to start calling police. He calls the local sheriff. He calls police in Denver, Miami, and Toronto. None of these police departments were able to help without more details. That's understandable. You call them up and you say, hey, there's a video online I think is real and I think it's somebody being killed. There's probably not a lot they can do, at least not right away. You need to have a little more detail. So what he does, though, he goes, okay, I'm going to watch other videos with this god-awful music in the back. Well, actually, this one's not too bad. This is an 80s song, not as bad as Luca's other songs. So he matches up videos with the song True Faith in the background. He finds none other than Mr. Luca, uh, Luca Magnata. What he's able to do is match a ring in some of the other videos with a ring that was in this video. I have not watched One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. I saw parts of it. It's a very disturbing, disgusting video. Please don't watch it. Spare yourself. But I don't know how clear it is that you could make out a ring from other videos. But apparently he feels like he's pretty confident that he can match that ring. So we have a name, Luca Magnata. May 29th. A package containing a left foot was delivered to the national headquarters of the Conservative Party of Canada. The package was stained with blood, had a heart symbol on it, and it smelled foul. Now, I like that the article put, the article I was reading for this put that it smelled foul. I would imagine that somebody's foot being sent through the mail would probably stink. I don't think that's surprising. So I, I, I assume that it stunk. Uh, the package containing a left hand was intercepted by the Canada Post, and it was addressed to the Liberal Party. So, at least he's treating both parties fairly, you know? But I guess he gave the hand to the uh, Liberal Party. The package said that there would be other parts mailed to other people, and he would kill again. Every package had a note in it. This is the only one that the police released. They feared that there would be a copycat killer, so they did not release the other one. On the same day, Mar uh, May 29th, the janitor of that apartment building found the headless torso in a suitcase outside of Luca Magnata's apartment. He had seen it four days prior, but he couldn't get to it because there was too much trash. So, unfortunately, that body had sat outside for four days. Uh, I can't imagine that probably smelled foul, too. Now we've got a full-blown crime scene. So, police are now called to the scene. What they find are human remains, which is not a surprise. They find sharp and blunt objects, also not a surprise. And they find papers identifying Luca Magnata. 
it doesn't take a rocket scientist to start putting all this together. So the footage from surveillance camera shows Luca bringing out multiple bags of trash. So now the police have the name of somebody they believe committed a murder. They match the film of the man dropping off the packages with that same video that was at the apartment. So they're pretty sure that he's the one that also mailed the body parts. So now we can narrow it down to one, well, not completely, but you're pretty close to knowing this was only one person doing this. They decide to go ahead and search his apartment. Obviously, they have probable cause at this point. They find blood in and on the fridge, the mattress, the table, and a bathtub. The apartment was mostly empty aside from all of that. It's interesting how Luca has this lavish lifestyle online, but he lives in a studio apartment that's pretty much empty. Inside of one of the closets, in red ink, they find a quote, presumably by Luca, that says, If you don't like the reflection, don't look in the mirror. I don't care. It's terrible grammar because he doesn't use a comma. He uses periods. It bothers me just reading it. May 30th, 2012. The body parts that were found are all identified to come from the same person. Luca Magnata is officially listed as the suspect. So they don't know who was murdered. They just know it was one person and they know Luca was the murderer. Well, they suspect he was, but I think at this point you got a lot to go on. May 31st, 2012. So Interpol issued a red notice, which essentially tells other countries that are part of Interpol that if you find this person, we want you to extradite him. We want him back in our country. This is serious. That's essentially the highest notice that you can have. They put his name on their website along with a photo for days. During this time... The police find that Luca was in France, and they use triangulation to figure out where his cell phone was. So they figure out what hotel he goes to. Now I'm going to spare you all of the French words, maybe even some of the German words. I can barely speak English. I'm not going to try to speak another language. Um, In any case, they find that he checked into this hotel under the name Kirk Trammell with a fake passport. Yet again, he was long gone. He did have some connections in France. They did speak with some of the connections, but none of them knew where Luca was. June 4th, 2012. Someone in an internet cafe sees Luca, can't quite place where they know him from, but they know him from somewhere. They claim that on Luca's glasses, they could see his computer screen and they could see that he was looking up information about Luca Magnata. They found him. So he looks at the guy, goes, that's Luca, goes out, gets some police cadets, and they all come in there to question him. Luca at first denies that he's Luca. He says, that's not me. And he then just totally flips, says, yeah, it's me. What they find is him looking at information about himself. I mean, are we surprised by this? Is anyone out there surprised that this clown only got caught Because he needed to go to a computer uh, cafe, an internet cafe, to look up information about himself. I mean, is anyone really surprised? In a way, the that that egotistical, self-absorbed attitude is exactly what we needed at this point because it's what got him caught. June fifth, twenty twelve. 
a package with a right foot was delivered to St. George's School, and a package with a right hand was sent to False Creek Elementary School. So this sick, twisted idiot decided, not only am I going to send body parts to Parliament, which, you know what, you want to send body parts to, to Congress, to politicians, I'm surprised, that's probably not the worst thing they're going to get, you know? But when you start sending it to schools, you're a really depraved human being. Luca appears before a judge in Germany at this point, and he doesn't contest his extradition. He actually keeps it simple. On June 13th, all the parts and the torso were identified as belonging to Lin Jun, a.k.a. Justin Lin. Um, Sometimes you'll see his name as Jun Lin. I don't know what the proper order is for him. But he was a 33-year-old international student from Wuhan, China. He was an undergrad studying computer science at Concordia University. He was also a part-time employee at a local convenience store. By all accounts, he was a very nice guy, um, somewhat shy, but there was really nothing about him that set him apart from anybody. So it's hard to know why Luca picked him. Uh, it is presumed that they met each other on Craigslist, but there's really no indication as to why this specific person was chosen. Now, the trial, after Luca returns home, pled not guilty due to diminished responsibility created by a mental disorder. I don't know how the insanity defense works in Canada. Uh, I'm not sure if they follow the McNaughton rule or not, but I believe that what he was doing here wasn't saying he was insane, but just that mental illness contributed to what he had done, and it would just reduce his sentence. Um, He claimed he was in a psychotic state at the time of the murders and could not be held as culpable for what he did. He didn't testify at his own trial. The prosecution displayed six tools that were found at the scene, which included a pair of scissors, two knives, a screwdriver, an oscillating saw, and a hammer. Out of the 12-week trial, 10 weeks of it was testimony, and on the jury there were eight women and four men. After the trial, it only took eight hours of deliberation. He was found guilty of all charges. It was a mandatory life sentence with parole possible and 25 years. He was also given 19 years for the other charges to be served concurrently. And that was that. Went to prison. Currently, Luca Magnata is still serving his life sentence. However, June 26th of 2017, not too long ago, he actually got married to a fellow inmate who was also convicted of murder named Kevin Winder. Now, that's the bad news, is the fact that this guy can actually get married at all. But not only that, he can use that to get back into the news. Keep in mind, Luca is still obsessed with himself. He still wants the spotlight. He'll do anything to get it. Imagine that. Marrying someone in prison. Let's get him right back into the news. The good news is, they aren't allowed to share a room or a cell. They're not allowed to have any kind of sexual relations. They're not even allowed to meet or interact with the other person's family. So good, he's got nothing there. And that is the story of Luca Rocco Magnata. I want to thank you for listening, tuning in today. 
Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and family who might enjoy true crime podcasts. Again, if you want to contact me, you can find me on Twitter at guilty underscore podcast, and you can email me at guiltypodcast at yahoo.com. Have a good one.